1: Uh probably a lot over the last X amount of years on this podcast. Good Monday morning to you. I am Kevin Bowen. Eddie Garrison is across the way. 3720. That was the final from Jacksonville. The same song and dance. Turn the ball over, don't win in the trenches, and I just I feel like you're just you're not ready for the moment. Not that like playing in Jacksonville is some like moment, but I did think Sunday was that. And I think that's where the disappointment lies for me. We'll unpack all of it on today's podcast. Uh, Eddie, how was the weekend, man?
0: It was good. You still owe me two Reese's, by the way.
1: Oh Gosh, I do. I do. So many people are DMing saying Andy and then Eddie.
0: Yeah, I'm getting them, too.
1: I've gotten the football Reese's already for Halloween. See, I, I've already bought the candy, but now I'm starting to eat the candy.
0: Did, um, did you call Andy Eddie this morning after I popped in studio for that final segment? I think you did. Did I really? I, maybe.
1: <laughs> Probably. I mean, they kind of sound somewhat similar. Yeah. You know, get got some Ds thrown in there. Um, I was trying to make a transition to defense for the Colts there. Uh, defense wasn't great. I don't think they were certainly the main culprit, but uh, let's focus on um, yesterday, I Eddie, and just kind of overall thoughts. Again, the disappointment to me revolves so much around what I thought the attitude of Sunday should have been of, man, 3-2. and two. They're 3-2. and two you lost the season opener to them. Uh, You haven't won down there since 2014. Again, for mid-October, they don't get much bigger than that. And, and you know, I just felt like there was so much that should have been on display in that game. How would Jacksonville look, you know, coming after back-to-back games in London? And uh, it was, again, ugly and snowballed and Gardner-Benchie was terrible. And, um, all of it really unraveled. You know, fourteen three. I think there's an element of here we go again. And then you had moments. I mean, there for what 10, 12 minutes of the second quarter, it was fourteen to three. And at that point, it's kind of like whoever scores next is probably going to be in control. Maybe not in control, but certainly they're going to be the one feeling like, hey, you know, if it's fourteen six or fourteen ten, we're right back in this game. Uh, you know, if Jacksonville pushes it to seventeen three or twenty one three, which they eventually got to. Obviously, they're going to feel like they are in control, and they certainly were. So, uh, three and three now for the Colts. They will welcome the top defense in the NFL into Lucas Oil Stadium coming up on Sunday. And uh, PJ Walker, who was cut what thirty-seven times by the Colts, yeah, back in his tenure here, uh, we'll see if he is the guy or if it is Deshaun Watson.
0: Uh, I want to go through snap counts and playing time right here in the start while we're talking about the entire game. Uh, when you look at The running back position between Zach Moss and Jonathan Taylor. Zach Moss played 39% or 39 snaps, which was 50%. Jonathan Taylor played 33 snaps, which was 42%. Mo Alley Cox, after clearing concussion protocol, only played eight snaps. That's 10%. Um, and it looked like Drew Ogletree got the main uh amount of snaps when it comes to the tight end position with Kylan Granson. Granson had 58%, which was about 45. Drew had 36%, so that was 28. Uh defensively, Shaq Leonard saw a bump up in terms of snaps. He played 52 snaps, which was 81%, which is easily the most. Yeah, um, that's a big number for him. Yeah. This that year, he's played this
1: year. Yeah. Uh Yeah, EJ Speeds really went down, right?
0: Yes, uh, EJ Speed uh, played 27 snaps, which is about 42% uh, for the defense.
1: Yeah, I was a little surprised to see that. I actually thought you know Leonard noticed him a little bit more. Um, and, and I guess let's just go right into what I didn't like, Eddie. I, I thought the first thing, and I know this is a little bit more of a philosophical thing, but I just don't feel like you match the intensity magnitude that you needed to. Like, again, you should have been, if you're going to ask me before the game, who is who should be the more fired-up opponent? Who should be more locked in, per se? It should have been the Colts. When you consider the history of the series, when you consider you lost the opener, when you consider Jacksonville's coming off, the back-to-back games in London, and there was a lot of talk in Jacksonville of, like, how would they react to that? How would they play coming off of that? You know, Buffalo was obviously a big win for them. The week prior. And I thought they were the ones that were A, more disciplined early, and B, punched you in the mouth early. Uh, You know, Colts had those two offsides penalties on the first defensive drive of the game. You know, Buckner on a third and four. I mean, who knows? If you don't go offsides there, is it incomplete? Is Jacksonville kick the field goal? How does that transpire from there? And then they obviously hit you with those two just big punches from the Josh Allen strip of Bernard Ryman to then Travis Etienne in you know, a rather easy twenty two yard touchdown run there, some really poor angles by the Colts on that misdirection Wildcat play. And after that, Gardner Minshew, he played like a backup from there on and was really horrible the rest of the game, if you're gonna be honest. But, you know, I go back to kinda of, again, Eddie, matching the intensity and then I didn't love Shane Steichen's offensive approach. And hear me out on this. What is the Colts' offensive strength, Eddie? If you're going to name an offensive strength in Indianapolis Colts, what would you say? Probably running the football. Yeah, I would say the duo of Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss would be that, much more so than the right arm of Menchu. And I thought the plan of attack for Sunday is, okay, how do you test Jacksonville physically? How do you get them in an 80-degree 80, 80 day in Florida where in the third, fourth quarter they might be hands on their hips coming back from London? And I thought if you could have a few body blows thrown at them running the football, it might not be smooth sailing all game, but if you play to your offensive strength and you you almost test Jacksonville, what do you have? What's left in that tank? Because if we hit you with some first-half body blows, does that mean in the second half things start to open up for us? And instead, I thought Shane Steichen got very white flag and very one-dimensional in saying, no, 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 we're going to throw it, try and dink and dunk our way into moving the football, and we're not necessarily going to test that aspect to it. So it was like playing away from a strength, acknowledging Jacksonville. They are a good run defense team, but again, still, I thought it it was a bit of a surrender there of, oh, they're in their base personnel package? Yeah, okay, that means we can't run it. Um, didn't love that. Didn't love that mindset. I think that with doing that, you put too much on Gardner Minshew's plate. And if you would have told me at halftime, Eddie, that Gardner Minshew would have 25 pass attempts and Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss would have combined for eight carries. I mean, think about that. Moss and Taylor combined eight carries. So we down 35 nothing already then? It, exactly. I mean, that is still when the score's in doubt. Like, I don't... Don't come at me with the fifty five pass attempts. That gets skewed because of what happens in the fourth quarter when you're throwing it, obviously, to try and get back in the game. I circle more of that twenty five in the first half, and I'm like, what? I mean, that was the plan of attack. I didn't again, you didn't run it great yesterday. I, I don't want to act like I'm not acknowledging that. But I felt like if you established a commitment to it early, what would that mean late? in the game. What would that mean? How would Jacksonville react to that third, fourth quarter if you're testing them? And obviously you committed four turnovers and all four of them came on passing plays. So, you know, that certainly didn't help you help your cause at all. So, I didn't like the mindset of for the second time this season, we've seen everybody pat the Colts on the their back after a win, Baltimore <laughs> being the first, and how they react to that? The Rams are up 23-nothing. Everybody's patting them on the back after beating the Titans of you know finally beat this you know finally got the win at home finally ended the streak against Tennessee and how do you react to that I mean you're down what 31-6 at 1 point yesterday like
0: mm-hmm.
1: um that to me is like we had this comment last week or had the question last week of like are they more than a feel good story the Colts have kind of been a little bit of a feel good story here early in the season are you more than that and so far they've reacted to positivity with we're not that like we are We're maybe a little bit better than people thought, but we're not, you know, all the way to whatever tier you want to label them on. And again, just disappointed because I thought Sunday had so much magnitude, and I didn't think the approach offensively was the best plan of attack with that. So that was probably the biggest thing that I did not like.
0: Um, You also obviously did not like Gardner Minshew as you... Just labeled out, watching, uh, matching the moment and or approach coming into the game from Jacksonville's perspective with the Colts. Uh, but Minshew was not good. Four turnovers, three interceptions, could have been six, uh, and of course that strip sack fumble.
1: Yeah, could have been six, could have been seven, could have been eight. I mean, it was it was awful, Eddie. I mean, obviously he completes his first nine, and then I think it was 54% the rest of the way. And to me, I just focused so much on the turnovers. The strip sack, okay, fine, whatever. But let's look at the two interceptions. Eddie, the first interception comes in a 14-3 ball game. It's a second down. You're still very much in the game. It's kind of late second quarter. You're in field goal range. At that point, there is no need to be forcing any sort of ball down the field when you don't have it. And he airmails Pittman, and that ball is picked there. And now all of a sudden... Jacksonville, who was in a bit of a rut offensively in that second quarter, they really didn't do a whole lot in that second quarter stretch. Again, for about 12 minutes there, Eddie, it was a 14 3 ball game. And it was, all right, who's going to deliver the next blow? And you had an opportunity there to potentially make it 14 6, eat up a little bit more of the clock, and that might be the scored half. And all of a sudden, you're running into that halftime locker room and you're saying, weather the storm, boys. Weather the storm, defense come out, get a big stop, start the third quarter, and see what happens. You did not do that with that pick. And then the second interception, um, that is a first down. It's a clean pocket, and it's a two score game. So I found myself watching the Minshew interceptions yesterday, and particularly the first two. And I know the last one wasn't great, but at that point, it's desperation mode. I almost, you know, I don't focus on that as much as I focus on the first two. Eddie, I watched both of those and I came away saying why. Not how, but why. And honestly, I hold Menchu to a higher standard than a lot of backups mm-hmm. because he has started, you know, 25 or more than that, 40 some games. Or excuse me, he's played in, I think it's 40 games, started uh, over 25 games in his in his career. I hold him to a higher standard because he has shown throughout his NFL career, he's not a turnover-centric guy. He's not this dude that just peppers you with a bunch of interceptable balls um, throughout a game, and I felt like yesterday he had a bunch of them. The other thing that I feel like is worth mentioning, Eddie, and again, this is me going strictly off of my own own opinion on it, although there's maybe a little bit of evidence uh, behind the scenes that points to this. Eddie, Gardner Minshew played yesterday like he couldn't sleep Saturday night. He played yesterday like he had this game circled on his calendar. And you know what? I don't blame the dude. I probably would feel the same way if I was drafted by a team, had good success with them. They traded me away for, what, C.J. Bethard, I guess, was what the new backup situation was. Like, I would be upset about that. I would have, as a competitor, you're naturally going to be a little pissed off by that. Having said that, I think, and honestly, this is probably a good thing for Colts fans, if you want to chalk up yesterday to be in the, the anomaly in the un like game, Eddie, that looked like a guy that wanted to really, 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 really prove something and show them that he's more than you know whatever they thought. And I felt like that's kind of how he played. Again, I could be wrong on that, but that's how it looked to me with Minshew because it was so out of character. It was not the Minshew that we're used to seeing Really, at all? I mean, I remember saying on last Wednesday, I have more of a worry, Eddie, that he doesn't give you enough offensively than he's going to give the defense chances to make plays. Well, I was—I mean, that was dead wrong. He certainly gave Jacksonville plenty of chances to create turnovers and set up short fields, score points, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah. Again, I thought it was absolutely awful from him. Someone tweeted—I mean, I know it was in, in joke. But the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I almost did the Alonzo morning gif on the bench, you know, like the... hmm. Someone tweeted at me, can Anthony Richardson throw with his other arm? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Like, I mean, a, a left-handed Richardson, uh, just Richardson running for what it's worth, that would have looked better. So, again, I thought Steichen kind of forced the hand to be in one-dimensional, and Minshew said, okay, I'm going to be one-dimensional, and I'm going to be the volatile backup that so many backups are in the league. It was funny. A buddy of mine, I have this philosophy in fantasy a lot where I just find where the backup quarterback is starting that week in the NFL, and I go pick up that opposing defense.
0: I went with Jacksonville's defense in one of my leagues this yeah. week.
1: Yeah, so he, he texted me before the game. He's like, damn, dude, did you really start Jacksonville's defense? I'm like, I don't think Minshew's going to turn it over, but I just have this rule if it's a backup That's what I like to do, and you never know what's going to happen. But, again, I didn't even feel that confident that Minshew would turn it over a ton. You know, I said 26-17 for my score prediction. I obviously thought it would be a struggle for the Colts, but I didn't think it would look like that. Um, So, yeah, just really, really poor from Gardner. You know, what would it look like, a full week of prep, you know, all of that talk. Again, I think this is a little bit more of the anomaly with it, but – We'll see how Gardner reacts to it here uh, in the next couple weeks, and if he's needed for the rest of the season.
0: Gardner is now nine and seventeen as a starter. He's two and eleven in his last thirteen starts. When he throws a pick, uh, in those starts, he's one and ten. When he doesn't throw a pick, eight and seven. So Hmm. there's your uh, formula right there.
1: Again, his interception rate is extremely low for his NFL career. I mean, extremely low. So that's why I was so surprised by it. But um, yeah, just terrible from Gardner Minshew.
0: Um, the part on the defense that you did not like in this one as we wrap up the area in which you didn't like, the defensive front seven, and I've got a question for you when you are done with your thoughts about this.
1: Yeah, and again, Eddie, I want to make sure that this was the third thing that I mentioned, and I don't want to act like if we are slicing up the, the pie that the defensive effort would be the same size piece as Minshew or, again, your overall approach in the game. But I thought your front seven... Had a great opportunity in this one. I think Jacksonville's offensive line is not very good. Uh, They were without their starting left guard. Brandon Sheriff left in the second quarter. That is a golden opportunity for a great defensive tackle duo into Forrest Buckner and Grover Stewart to try and wreak havoc. And while there might have been a moment or two, I thought when the game was still in doubt, you didn't create the playmaking. Like I mean, look look at Jacksonville. I mean, that Josh Allen play. I mean, Eddie, you want to boil it down to a two-play sequence, boom. That right there sets the tone I didn't feel like you had really many, if any, opportunities at making those plays. Buckner did have one sack there early. But after that, man, I thought Jacksonville got great balance on the opening drive. They ran it when they wanted to. They threw it when they wanted to. Buckner goes offsides. Dio goes offsides. Um, I expect more out of your front seven. and We're not there yet, but we are starting to, and this is maybe just more of an overall 2023 storyline, Eddie, you evaluate position groups and players differently. Sure, you have an overall team evaluation, but not everybody's on the same grade scale as Anthony Richardson. Your defensive line certainly is not on that grade scale. They have high investments. They are some veterans in that league. You expect more. Pay extremely quiet. Um, and, And I just... You needed more out of your front seven. I think it was fair to expect more out of your front seven, and you didn't get it. I thought the linebackers were really quiet. I can't recall many times that you know Franklin Leonard or Speed you know made again impactful plays early on when, when right. this game was still a little bit more in doubt. Um, so I do want to mention that I, I had higher expectations for your defensive front seven, and I don't think you um, I don't think you uh, did that at all.
0: I understand that you have to rotate out Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner. But the question I, I have when I was watching that game, why are you rotating them out together in potential running downs? Because yeah, to it's, me, yeah like
1: Eric Johnson and Taven Bryan in there. Yeah,
0: because to me every time that happened, it was it was Jacksonville. they like, All right, ears are up. We're gonna run the football right down your throat. And that's when they had effect that's when they were effective in the run game. I just don't understand why you're subbing both of your Stud defensive tackles right up the middle out simultaneously. Yeah,
1: it's like you've got the two studs on the basketball team. Make sure you leave one in the bench unit, you know, to kind of make sure that the ship is still afloat with that. So yeah, I I, I did not love the front seven playmaking. That's a fair point that you bring up, Eddie, because you know Jacksonville's got great skill. They, I mean, Evan Ingram made some big time catches. Christian Kirk made some big time catches. Etn is is a really nice talent. But I just didn't feel like the area where you should have an advantage, I didn't see that show up enough.
0: Yeah, I feel you. ETN averaged 3.1 per carry, but he had that big 22-yard. It was just like that first game back in week one. Like ETN's average on a yards per carry basis was just skewed from one carry.
1: Right, and and, uh, I point so much to more of when that game was in doubt. I mean, he had 11 for 52, 4.7 in the first half. Um, you know, yes, he had the 22-yarder that, again, I didn't love just the effort on right. the play either. Their balance in the first half, Eddie, is what really just kind of stood out to me, particularly on that opening drive. They just kind of got whatever to, that they uh, that they wanted, really.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
0: You weren't pleased with the front seven, but you were pleased with the back end, and especially the rookie corners. I think Juju Brents continues to learn, and I think he's getting better each week.
1: Yeah, hand raise, Eddie. I don't know of many positive individuals from the game. I mean, we'd be grasping at straws. I guess Matt Gay, uh, maybe Michael Pittman. I don't know where you kind of turn to for individuals here. And usually I can find them. Like usually, I mean, that's why we do this segment because I think it's really key that not everything is negative, not everything's positive, not everything's negative after a loss, not everything's positive after a win. So that's why I do think this segment is beneficial. But I I feel like for the corners, it's great baptism by fire. And I thought yesterday, Eddie, there were some moments out of Juju Brents I really, really liked. And then there were some moments out of Juju Brents and Jalen Jones that I'm thinking, well, they look like rookies. And they look like rookies playing against a good quarterback. I mean, that Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk touchdown, Trevor talked about after the game. He went up to Christian Kirk during the week. He goes, you know, when we attack this side of the field with that corner, he's going to leave a gap in the zone. He made it very clear there will be a gap there. They repped it all week long. Trevor said he went back and watched it, watched it, felt really good about it. And that's, I mean, that's a rookie mistake. I mean, that's a mistake that obviously Jacksville saw in film. They take their veteran quarterback, their veteran wideout. And I say veteran, I mean, they're, they're veteran. Experienced. You, yeah, experienced when you compare it to Juju Brents. And they said, watch this. And obviously they hit him for that big touchdown that, you know, started nailing, uh, putting the nail in the coffin there at 21-3. But still, I mean, there were some moments that I liked out of Brents. So I thought him and Calvin Ridley, there were a couple of plays. I'm like, damn, good work by the rookie. Like, that's – and this is what you want. So this is why I put it in the what I like category. To me, it gets back to the evaluation comment I was making a few minutes ago. The corner group almost falls into the quarterback group. Yeah, you know, Kenny Moore and it doesn't, but Jalen Jones and Juju Brents, it almost falls into the, hey, their grading scale is a little different. Baptism by fire, welcome it. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're going to see some good wideouts here in the next couple of weeks. But, you know, from a quarterback wideout combo outside of Burrow with those guys, I don't think they're going to see anything like even Jacksonville the rest of the season. So uh, it's a great opportunity. Great opportunity for these guys moving forward. And again, by no means was it perfect yesterday. There were certainly issues that they had. And honestly, they probably got away with a few from a penalty standpoint as well. But overall, um, their opportunity. This is why you this is why you you play them. You
0: know how you talk about you circle plays for like uh that change the game or the momentum yeah. of the game. Oh yeah. I was I was just watching the game yesterday and when that first drive for Jacksonville and by the way, the Colts defense when they were after the Colts turned it over, that they gave up 20 points, but other than that when the Colts didn't turn it over, they only gave up 17. So when Jacksonville had to go down the field and score uh, the Colts' defense was actually pretty good yesterday in that regard. But um, the first play I circled yesterday as kind of like a, you know, momentum shift or a little bit was on that first drive and that uh, encroachment neutral and zone and freshman. Yep, by uh, Buckner. Buckner, yeah. Yeah. Although I thought it was kind of questionable because nobody for Jacksonville moved.
1: Yeah, and, and again, those are just the little things that have like the the matching of the intensity, being ready to play. You know, being disciplined, but yet still having the hey, we're going to deliver some blows to them. I I didn't think that you had that on Sunday. So, boy, unless I'm missing a few, I just didn't think a lot of individual positives from the game at all. So that's why the corner, uh, the the young corner duo is the only uh, duo that uh, finds it uh, in there.
0: I'm right there with you. Are you ready for Twitter questions or do you have anything else to add here?
1: Uh, I am ready for Twitter questions.
0: Blue Heavy Pod, what is it about playing Um, in Jacksonville? It seems like we're bullied from the start each and every single game. This team seems to be a lot more prepared for games this season, but that one, Colts just looked lost.
1: Yeah, and again, this kind of goes back to the I, I I I slash hoped and expected more from them. You know, I asked Steichen on Friday, you know, about. The magnitude of the game, and I'm like, hey, do you want your players to know that? You know, some some coaches will say no. You know, every game matters the same. Steichen was—you watch the end of the Friday press conference. That dude was pretty fired up. Um, so uh, yeah, that, that you know, matching the moment. But Eddie, if you want to boil it down to what other trends in Jacksonville? Why do the Colts continue to lose down there? Two things: you commit multiple turnovers, and you lose a trench battle. The faces have changed. The quarterbacks have changed. That is always a constant. You have multiple turnovers and you lose a trench battle. And we saw that again yesterday.
0: Ryan's Twitter question, or X question, is up next. With Gardner Minshew's offensive ceiling being exposed in the new likelihood that Anthony Richardson is done for the year, what should Colts fans be cheering for as the season goes on? I'm lost, KB. I don't want A.R. rushed back too soon with this serious injury and don't want Gardner or Shane Steichen to claw our way to seven or eight wins signing us further back in the draft i've never been okay with losses but i think i just want to watch juju brince josh downs and bernard ryman develop and let anthony richardson get healthy i've always kind of felt in line with what you thought the Colts should do long term so what's the move kb realistically what are we hoping for as fans win or loss this podcast always delivers kb eddie great work
1: thank you Ryan. and i appreciate that um you know, I, I want to get to the storyline aspect of like, okay, what should you be looking for the rest of the year in just a second? But Eddie, let's do focus on Anthony Richardson right here. Um, you know, Ash asked Shane Stacking on Friday about, okay, is surgery still a possibility? And he made it very clear to us on Friday that this was a possibility. Ian Rappaport kind of went on top of that saying, you know, what, strong possibility, I think is the phrase that. Or strongly considering it, maybe, was the phrase that Rappaport used on Sunday. So, again, there is a real, real chance that Anthony Richardson has played his last snaps of of the season. And you know, this is kind of where it comes back to the bummer, kicking the you-know-what aspect to it all, Eddie. Of It's possible, and who knows, maybe Shane Steichen will confirm something late, later today and we'll talk more about it on the Wednesday pod. But, Eddie, it's possible. That you're going to get to the year, and I guess let's just let's play out the hypothetical. Let's say that Richardson's played his last snaps of the season, and he's played 173 snaps. Okay, last year as an offense, you played 1,151 snaps. I promise there won't be as much math in uh, this week as there was last week. Did you do
0: the math ahead of schedule this time?
1: Uh, yeah, I did. Okay, so the percentage of that. Okay, if they were to play the same number of offensive snaps as last year. That would mean Anthony Richardson will have played 15% of the offensive snaps this season. 15% is what? An incredibly low number. Like, crazy low. And that, to me, is where it comes down to, and I should probably just start finding synonyms for it. Bummer. Kicking the you-know-what. All of those things. Basically, if you want to boil it down to, Eddie, we could be looking at the end of the year and Richardson will have played two six-quarter segments. He'll have played the first six-quarter segment of the year, started against Jacksonville, left, what was that, I guess early second quarter, so I guess if you really want to boil it down, a little over five quarters in that first segment. And then the second one, um, he played the whole Rams game and then got hurt, what, three minutes, four minutes ago in the first half Mm -hmm. against the Titans. So basically, he will have played two six-quarter segments, and I think one of the wilder things, just based off that and how the schedule has unfolded, Eddie, he will have played, like, one quarter on the road all season. One quarter on the road. I mean, you play, what, 32 quarters on the road? Yeah. And he will have played one? Like, Mm -hmm. the sample size, when you start to, like, get into the numbers, it is so small that he could, maybe, will play in in his rookie season. Now, again, undoubtedly, I think the signs are encouraging by what he showed in those 173 snaps, but you know you could probably splice out 173 snaps of a lot of quarterbacks in their rookie seasons and be like, man, there were some nice flashes there. I, I don't know. Bryce Young's first half yesterday, yeah, by all accounts, it seemed to be a pretty good first half. Like, so that's where it gets into the difficulty. Even if you just separate the injury situation and you boil it down just to Richardson and his time on task, if you will. It's so small, and again, this is the guy that needed it more than any of the others, in terms of these young quarterbacks. So, um, again, we'll, we'll, we'll await official word. But, gosh, dude, just, yeah, I feel like I'm like a second grader on the playground, just <laughs> discovering what what happens if I kick my friends. You know where? <laughs> so, what are you hoping for the rest of the I, year then? And if it is Richardson, okay, Ryan. Uh, I feel like after every loss there is that vocal minority have everyone describe it of hey you know losses aren't the worst thing in the world and again I know I'm probably been a little bit more acknowledging of that like I tend to think Gardner Minshew led wins don't necessarily lead to a whole lot of like 2024 2025 2026 meaning yeah if that makes sense but let's splice it I mean Eddie we did a podcast right before training camp started or maybe it was right before the season started of Non-Anthony Richardson storylines. Bernard Ryman. Quiddy Pay. Michael Pittman in a contract year. Does your O-line bounce back? How do your rookie corners look? How does Shaq Leonard look? You know, you can get to Alec Pearson year two. Yeah. You can get to a lot of other storylines, and we'll certainly focus on that. And I think it's important to still watch the games with kind of that eye, through that lens, There's a lot of other things of like, yes, you need the quarterback piece, and it is the biggest piece, but what have we always talked about after you make the quarterback selection? Development and support. Support and development. wants. Okay, so support, that's what you're trying to find. And I think those are the storylines. Obviously, you want to see Shane Steichen in these kind of head coaching moments and how he looks in those settings, so. Uh, I think that those are some of the items you can point to, Ryan. Again, wins, losses, I, I'm probably a little bit more long-term thinking than most in that, and I get it. When you're still in the heart or in the heat of a division battle and you've shown some promise in your 3-2 and two on the year, the wins probably do take on a little bit more of an onus from the fan base. Totally understand that. Um, but I probably am one that falls a little bit more on the I see some benefits of Having a high draft pick and what that could mean to the support for your quarterback moving forward.
0: By the way, uh, we forgot to mention Alec Pierce left the game yesterday with a shoulder injury. Hopefully, Shane Steichen able to provide some clarity on that today, Monday afternoon.
1: We'll focus more on that Wednesday, Eddie. But I mean that that could be a big one. Oh yeah, on many levels. I, I mean, you know, I, I know Pierce's. Not been some constant presence by any means, but if you really boil down, like what position group has the least amount of depth on your football team? I'd say outside wideout.
0: Oh duh, yeah.
1: I mean Pierce has played like ninety some percent of the offensive snaps this year.
0: I did like what they were doing with him in that first <laughs> quarter in the opening drive, get him the ball. Yeah, he caught
1: one underneath. Didn't yeah,
0: it? It caught a couple underneath. Yeah,
1: yeah. Again, he's got speed. I mean, just see it in some other avenues there, and, and you know, really one of the more underrated plays. Looking back on it, uh, you know, Minshew missed him on That drive after the strip sack, after the strip sack and the touchdown, it was 14 3. He got behind the defense, an opportunity there. Minshew missed him, and then you know, to have a holding penalty on the next drive. And it just kind of snowballed from there.
0: Craig says it was a brutal game for the Colts. And hey, Kevin, the Colts had a very efficient short (laughs) passing drive. (laughs) The Colts had a very short, uh, they had a very efficient short passing drive for their first drive, took 16 plays. To score the field goal in almost 10 minutes off the clock. They seem to move, the, they seemed to go away from that. Was it adjustments made by the Jacksonville defense, or was Gardner Minshew just horribly inaccurate and the offensive line couldn't hold up when he threw downfield? Surprised they didn't keep what was working on the first drive.
1: Yeah, again, we kind of broke down what happened after that. Um, you know, you had the fumble on the next series, and then, you know, Minshew misses Pierce. Um, Pierce gets a holding penalty on a quick hitter to start that, whatever, that would be the fourth drive, I guess. And then I think the drive after that is the interception by Minshew. So, um, yeah, I mean, the passing game certainly was the focus. I mean, that was, you know, guys are talking about it after the game. Jacksonville's in their base personnel. We're not going to run it against that. Um, to me, that that is, I was very curious what Jacksonville would look like when the fourth quarter rolled around yesterday. And I thought by your plan of attack, you didn't test them in that area. You, you, you kind of threw up the white flag and said, yeah, you know, our strength is a run game. That kind of matches their strength as a run defense. And we're not going to dictate to them. They're going to dictate to us. So that's where I didn't like some of that stuff. And, you know, Eddie, I think a lot of this probably also falls on a Okay, we know who Gardner Minshew is. I mean that that opening drive yesterday was peak Minshew. Yes, I mean, quick, efficient, short, nothing vertical. Like hits his first nine, and then incompletion, incompletion. And I guarantee you, Jacksonville came to the sideline and said, "Enough of that." Like <laughs> we know that like this is what it's going to be, and we need to make sure we suffocate on the outside as much as we can early in routes. And if he's got to hold on to it, who knows what'll happen there? But I don't know, Eddie. Maybe I'm putting too much into like the. How Minshew handled that environment, but that dude is a lot more of a competitor behind the scenes than I think he gives off, and just the natural Uncle Rico look to him. And you know, he, he can have some funny moments in press conference settings. Um, it was lit. How do you blame him? But I think he, I think he was pretty pacing in the hotel room sort of feel to it, and I think he saw that in his play.
2: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
0: If you're listening and want to get your Twitter question on the pod in future podcasts, submit it. At Eddie Garrison underscore is my Twitter handle, E-D-D-I-E-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N underscore. And of course, you can always DM Kevin as well at Bowen 1070 Or if you are watching on YouTube, we thank you first. Uh, like the video, subscribe if you're on there, and then drop a comment with a question if you want to get it on any future podcasts. We've got four questions left. Brian wants to know, did the 2022 Colts show up yesterday? In all honesty, if Anthony Richardson isn't playing, this team is slow, no- no sense of urgency and lacks playmakers. Kind of sounds like the 2022 Colts, if you ask me. I am happy they lost, as the Colts need the high draft pick. Until Richardson comes back, that's what they need to do. The offense is meh without him. The Colts are a boring watch. Can I get a wide out? Amen. Oh, freaking Bowen over here.
1: <laughs> Brian fired up by that. Um, let me throw some names at Yeti. Uh, Philip Walker, or I still call him Phillip, uh, Philip Walker or Deshaun Watson, uh, Derek Carr, maybe, Bryce Young, uh, maybe Bailey Zappi, uh, Baker Mayfield,
0: maybe Malik Cunningham, I don't know,
1: uh, maybe Ryan Tannehill, Joe Burrow, uh, Kenny Pickett, maybe Desmond Ritter, who the hell knows with the Raiders, and then C.J. Stroud. Those are your quarterbacks the rest of the year that you're facing. I schedule's a joke. How many times have I said it? I mean, coin flip, coin flip, coin flip. So you're never going to be, in my opinion, like, fully – I don't know. Maybe – does does Jacksonville run away with it? Like, I can see Jacksonville losing Thursday night with a banged-up Trevor Lawrence. I mean,
0: New Orleans' offense is not good, despite having Chris Olave, Michael Thomas, and Alvin Kamara.
1: Right. I just don't – I mean, Jacksonville's got a much harder schedule the rest of the way. The Colts have a much easier schedule. Like, basically what I'm getting at is I don't think this is going to be – two wins the rest of the way. I, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't think we are there on it. But, you know, Minshew has got to get back to just being him. You know, I I thought it was an out-of-body experience for him. I thought it was just a – it was the volatile backup that you're used to. It, it wasn't the – you know, he's a singles hitter that doesn't swing at bad pitches. He swung at a ton of bad pitches. I mean, Eddie, you were, you were spot on in starting the show – that dude should have had six balls picked off. Yeah. I mean, Devin Lloyd's not wearing a cast. That's at least one. So. Um, there was a
0: play on second down where Minshew should have threw a pick. Then he threw one the very next turn. Right.
1: I think that was the Lloyd one, right? Was Lloyd. that the one
0: where uh, we got a Spiro Ditas announcer's jinx where he's yeah, like it was. Yeah, 200
1: pass attempts since his last pick and then boom. Yeah, Spiro. Uh, Spiro had some comments. I was kind of scratching my head up. Really? Just a couple. Like? Um, one about the run. Let me think. I wrote it down here somewhere.
0: I'll let you look for it as I get you the next Twitter question. Uh, three left, Tyler. Uh, what do you make of the Colts' inability to stop bleeding? Uh, stop the bleeding when it comes to the momentum. Rams were able to rattle off twenty-three consecutive points. The Jags twenty-one. Seems like when things go bad, the Colts have a habit of compounding the issue. Is this a coaching issue, lack of
1: playmakers, or something else? Thanks. Oh yeah, it was the Colts have struggled to find a kicker since Venitari left. It, like I feel like we forget oh, yes. about the last Venitari season. Yeah, like, was awful in that last season. It's like no, you just say like they've been bad for the last or whatever. They haven't been above average kicking unit for the last handful of years. Uh, you no, said that was
0: Tyler. Yeah, now you're just nitpicking over there, KB.
1: Yeah, I know. I probably am a little bit there. Yeah, you were kind of you know st- stop the bleeding. You, I was waiting for the Juju Brents Ravens game play. Remember the strip he had on Kenyon Drake? Yep. You know, you're kind of waiting for that moment. I mean, you're waiting for what Josh Allen did to Bernard Ryman and Gardner Minshew. And you had chances. I mean, Eddie, I'm looking at it right here. 14 one in the second quarter. Travis Etienne, 22-yard touchdown. For the next 12 minutes and change, no one scored in the football game. No one scored. I mean, you had multiple drives. You had three and out when um, Minshew had missed Pierce over the top. You have another three and out when you get the holding penalty, and then you have the interception that Minshew threw. So you had three drives. where your defense. Did a nice job of forcing some punts. Um, Yeah, I – who was making that play? You know, it it was a rookie back in the Baltimore game. Who was making that play? You know, is this a coaching issue, lack of playmakers, Tyler asks? It's probably more of the playmaker aspect. I, I go back to the defensive front seven. Again, Eddie, that is a group that I expect a little bit more out of. And I think you need somebody to step up and make a play there.
0: Yeah, Jacksonville's turned the ball over eight times this year. Uh, Lawrence has thrown uh, three picks, and they've lost five
1: fumbles. So you would like to see something from one of your linebackers. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been perfect in Jacksonville at all. And I, I just thought your front seven should have had more of an advantage. Conroy
0: says he's listening to the pod before the Jacksonville game and you spoke about the Jonathan Taylor extension and one thing stood out when he was listening to the podcast. What happened to the Chris Ballard quote of Quote, we won four games last year. Obviously, they extended uh, Luke Rhodes, which whatever. We have a competent running back who has been racking up yardage and establishing himself as a lead back in Zach Moss. Why extend Jonathan Taylor while Moss is gashing defenses, especially after the Ballard line? Don't get me wrong. I am happy the drama is over, but it's weird that suddenly the four-win season isn't even a forethought in that you have a cheaper
1: running back picking up the slack. Yeah, I, I I almost feel like we do like a weekly discourse on Taylor Moss now as the new thing moving forward. Like, I mean, Jonathan Taylor had what, your biggest play of the first half yesterday on that 40-yarder? I mean, Zach Moss is not doing that. Yeah, Those are the sorts of plays that Taylor can bring. I think the career of Jonathan Taylor certainly tells you that he's worth more money than Zach Moss. So I, I don't believe they are comparable on a career arc. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day because, again, I mean, we were what, 10 days removed from Jonathan Taylor's awkward press conference? Like, Eddie, Jonathan Taylor did not show up to the first four Colts games and then acted like everything was fine. Like, it's just wild to me, like, how, oh, yeah, I just needed to get healthy. Well, if that was your only gripe, why aren't you standing on the sidelines the first four games of the season with all your other injured players?
0: And why aren't you at
1: practice? Y- exactly. I mean, like, <laughs> I go out to practice every day, and what? And who's there? Jelani Woods on injured reserve. Jake Wood on injured reserve. Daniel Scott on injured reserve. I'm trying to think who are the other IR guys that I see out there at, at, at practice. like, yeah, it's just crazy how that Taylor thing played out. By the way, are we
0: near a Jelani Woods return?
1: So, basically, the Friday press conference was actually kind of newsy because, you know, Braden Smith was the late scratch. Um, I found myself working a little bit later on Fridays than I would like. It's a very selfish comment by me. But uh, it sounds like Jelani Woods will return at some point when that is, Eddie. Uh, who knows? But uh, Evan Hall, though, is out for the year. Yeah, was, I know uh, there some, was some – it kind of like – I know Jordan Schultz,
0: I think that's his name, reported um, uh, that he would be out for the year back when the initial injury happened with the meniscus tear.
1: Yeah, and then I feel like – might have asked Sykin about that in a press conference, and he was like, oh, no, he'll be back at some point, and then has now later clarified that he will be out for the year. So that's kind of a bummer. I mean, it's a fifth-round pick that, you know, you would like to see a little bit more of.
2: Fine. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you
0: weird. a question comes from Jake and not your former co-host. <laughs> Can Shane Steich can continue the trend of a a Colts head coach having a 10-plus win season in their first season factoring in the Anthony Richardson injury and what you have seen from this team overall through five weeks? Tony Dungy, 2002, he went 10-6. In 2009, with Jim Caldwell, the team went 14-2. And And then in 2012, the Colts with Chuck Pagano went 11-5. And And Frank Reich, in 2018, he went 10-6. Thank you and love the pod and I'm not repeating the last statement in that one because I can't stand that team either.
1: Oh. Well, you got to give it, us a
0: hint on the team. It's a team that Notre Dame lost to earlier in the year that they shouldn't have lost to because their defense just forgot how to play and just let Emeka, I hate Ohio State. go right down the middle of the field.
1: God, That third 19. Being a Notre Dame fan, Eddie, over the last month, I mean, you wonder why I've got gray hair and it's all falling out. And
0: that's why you're going to. We grow hair, Andy, right?
1: Why we grow hair, Andy's getting some Kevin Bowen here in about a month. Um, Ten wins. What are they right now? Three and three. See, si, senor. So you got to go seven and three the rest of the year. How many games do you play nowadays? <laughs> Seventeen. Mm-hmm. Uh, seven and four the rest of the year. Again, I, I rattled off the quarterbacks earlier. It is. I mean, this schedule, like, there's still opportunities.
0: It's a gauntlet, KB. It's a gauntlet.
1: Are Carolina, New England, the two worst teams in the league?
0: Safe to say, yes.
1: Okay. So if they are, you're going to go back-to-back home games, and then play the two worst teams in the league. Uh huh. I mean, this is a very doable three and one sort of possibility before the bye week. And now all of a sudden, are you six and four going in the bye?
0: Are you drinking before
1: if you're if you're in Germany? Are you
0: drinking before that Colts Patriots game? Knowing what you could witness here,
1: I'm just saying. Oh yes, certainly you are. Yeah. Can they flex that game out of Frankfurt? <laughs> uh, I, I'm just saying. I mean, there is an opportunity here. To do something, uh, Cleveland, I believe, is a very slight favorite. I think I saw it opened up at two. Yeah. So, um, and, and we'll see what their quarterback situation looks like. And I think that's as the frustration again. I don't think they're going to win ten wins. I'm gonna. I, I'm kind of a believer. You always stick by your preseason um, prediction. At least I guess as long as it makes sense. And I think so far mine of seven wins makes sense. Um, but we'll see how it plays out and. Um, again, that's just I think that's the stingy nature from yesterday. It's that it was such a golden opportunity not that Jacksonville's a bad opponent. it was such a huge game and they reacted to it better than you did and, and I think that's where the sting is for me of you hoped slash expected more and Jacksonville looked like the team that was just hungry and just wanted it more and punched you early on and then. Uh, you were on the ropes and compounded some mistakes. And, again, Gardner Minshew, to me, just looked like a deer in headlights, which well, he hit, usually is not that. Like yeah. I, I feel like I watch him play quarterback, and I'm like, that's not happy feet, not composed, throwing the ball to the other team, and you just pray they drop it. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, that's what he looked like.
0: Yeah, he threw off the back foot a lot, which is Yeah, the back foot of Pittman.
1: Yeah, yeah, Andy Sweeney, our, our morning host, was very upset about that play. Th- that play— was just kind of the chair on top. Like, that to me is the desperation mode INT. I thought the first two INTs, a first down and a second down of a two-score game, you don't, need, you don't need to try and be a hero here. You don't need to be Caleb Williams. I was in the
0: mode of take the field goal there because you still have like 13-plus minutes left right. in the fourth quarter. and
1: Yeah, you brought that up to me earlier.
0: The offense for Jacksonville really hadn't done much in the second half, and I felt like if you can convert there, you make it a two-score game, I think you gave yourself even more life than you already had. and
1: That thought crossed my mind. I was probably a little bit more of you still need two touchdowns. Your offense has not moved it great all game. This is your best chance to try and get one of them—a fourth mm-hmm. and five from the fifteen. I, I certainly hear you out, and that you obviously needed to get three scores at some point. It to me, it would have been different if it was a fourth and nine at the thirty, right? Versus a fourth and five, or what?
0: Fourth and seventeen at your own whatever that was twenty.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is yeah at, the, at that point just yeah. Just pun it away.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, pod, we've got a podcast coming out Wednesday. Make sure to follow you on Twitter at KBowen1070 and check out his latest work online at 1075thefan.com. I appreciate that. Eddie, go could
1: ahead and be plug, a, your, uh, plug your Twitter account.
0: Uh, Eddie Garrison underscore, E-D-D-I-E-G-A-R-R-I-S-O-N underscore. Um, could be a very newsy Monday for you with uh, Alec Pierce injury, potential maybe slight update with Anthony Richardson from Shane Steikens this afternoon, so... Make sure you follow
1: KB on Twitter, X, Facebook, whatever. Are you on Threads? I I did do the Threads thing. I panicked on Threads for about 24 hours, but I have not opened it up since. Got it. But yeah. But thank you for the plug. Of yeah. threads. Of course. Uh, uh, that's why sure. that's why Eddie Garrison is the greatest. And you know this one on Sunday. Obviously, it's a great defense coming to town. So many Colts connections on this roster. So many indie connections. You got a Ben Davis guy Dewan Jones. You got a Warren guy and David Bell, Anthony Walker, Rodney McLeod, PJ Walker. Um. I feel like I'm forgetting some others, but yeah, plenty of local uh, flavor to this one as well. DeJuan Jones, uh, yeah, yeah, said so that Dewan Jones with Jack Conklin uh, out for the year. He's played a big role for them, and obviously Miles Garrett's quite the matchup for the Colts here coming up on Sunday. All right, he's Eddie Garrison. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody, have a great start to your week. We'll talk to you Wednesday.